0: In just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: Hey, what's up? It's Nolan from Past Gas by Donut Media. We are an automotive history show. This week, we're talking the life story of Gilles Villeneuve, Canada's most important Formula One driver, This guy is a national hero up there, and truly one of the greats taken from us too soon. He started out racing snowmobiles when he was a teenager. He invented one of the most important snowmobile innovations ever, which is crazy for a Formula One driver to do, and eventually became just one of the most legendary drivers of the 1970s. This guy raced for such a short time, but had such a large impact. And it was super cool to talk about a Quebecois racing legend. That's Pass Gas by Dona Media, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Number one automotive podcast. Pass Gas. streets of San Andreas and Vice City must be hell for car owners and insurance companies alike. Here in the real world, car thefts happen too. A lot, actually. Over 700,000 cars are stolen every year in the United States alone. In fact, if you listen to our episode about Bertha Benz, you know that people have been jacking cars for literally as long as cars have existed. This week, we're talking all about Grand Theft Auto. Turns out it's not just a video game. It's also a serious crime. Luckily, as far as crimes go, car heists are a fun one to talk about. But don't worry, we're not going to go all true crime podcast on you. Uh, at least not at first. There'll be no twisting investigations here, no tearful phone calls from prison, no ads for Mailchimp. A disgruntled armored car driver steals a van filled with 19 million dollars cash. A movie star's classic car collection goes missing just hours after his death and two FBI agents accidentally destroy a rare supercar. What are the craziest, the dumbest, the most bizarre real-life car heists ever attempted? Who are the criminal masterminds, or morons, behind the real-life stories? Today on Past Gas, we have eight insane car heists. Gun it, baby! The fuzz are right behind us, man! Past
2: Gas Podcast, it's about cars, it's not about ports! (laughs) Wee-wee!
3: Pull wheel, over! Wheel, 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 skirt, skirt, skirt. I, I ain't going back to prison. You are going back to prison. Pull over.
2: <laughs> That's a Hemi. <heavy.
1: laughs> Welcome back to past Gas. That was a very. That was a good line, James. Good job. Want to give you props on that. And give you dabs.
2: Thanks, I'm. Still working on my audition tape to get in Police Academy Reboot.
3: <laughs> I've been working on my, my rotary engine sound. You want to hear it? Let's
1: hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> James was not lying. He's definitely trying to get that <laughs> reboot part, which is no doubt on its way. Uh, welcome back to Pass Gas, everyone. I'm your host, Nolan Sykes, joined as always by my other hosts, James the Mouth Pumphrey.
2: <laughs> meow, meow. Nope, not a cat. It's
3: just me, old James.
2: <laughs> I thought that was a
1: cat. You got wow. You really got me. And uh, Joe Weber over there.
3: What's up, Wink Wink Nation? Are we fired
1: up yet? <laughs> I um, I, I'm starting to take my TikTok a little bit more seriously. Really jumping on the wagon early in the game on this one.
3: Yeah, you really got it on the ground floor yeah, as far as really TikTok on, goes. Yeah,
1: well, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and I got a new follower yesterday who commented on my post, and it was a, a past gas fan. I can't remember their name, but they were. They said, "Wink, wink, nation," and I was like, "All right, that's that's what it is. It's wink, wink, nation. We're fired up."
3: We gotta, we gotta build up your your IP. What's your catchphrase for this? No one.
1: I need a glass of water.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm
2: Nolan Sykes, and I need a glass of water. I'm also joined by my...
1: <laughs> well, as the, in- the intro uh, suggests, we are talking about stolen cars this week. We got a bunch of stories for you. Um, I have a question for you guys. Has your car, ha- has a vehicle of yours ever been stolen?
3: Only by the city? Oh, no. Uh, I had a car. I had my 1990 Dodge Caravan stolen out of my family's alley when I was probably like 17. We get and- it, Joe. Your family has an alley. <laughs> uh, we own that alley. No, but uh, the transmission was like really on the fritz, and it was doing the donkey donkey kick and slipping a bunch, so it was not pleasant to drive. And they found it two blocks away because the person <laughs> had just realized that it was super cheap. But the thing is, they had us go identify the. They caught the guy too. They he had a bunch of stuff that were was in my car, and I was like the sole driver at that time because my sister had gone to college. My younger sister was too young to drive. Uh, and I the day before it had been stolen, a do rag was floating in the wind, <laughs> and I caught it and and like wore it in the van. And then took it off. And so I had to go <laughs> identify like $2 worth of change and a do-rag. Like <laughs> I was like, are you sure this is yours? <laughs>
1: uh, when I was a kid, my bike got stolen. I had left it outside. Yeah, also in our alley. Um, yeah,
2: what's, am I the only one who didn't have a family alley? <laughs> yeah. And... Like uh
1: it. <laughs> Me and my family went out to dinner. I came back; the bike was gone. Ooh, out to dinner, and I was like, "Oh yeah," the, <laughs> at uh, Armando's Mexican restaurant. RIP, no longer around. Um, but then this neighborhood kid, the, his name was Austin. And he was kind of like a sketchy kid. He comes walking down the street with my bike. He's like, "Like, okay, this was like a family dinner. So like, all my family was here. <laughs> like, my parents, my grandparents." Uh, Uh, I think my aunt and uncle were also there. And uh, so this kid like is pushing my bike into my yard. He's like, yeah, like my mom found your bike in my laundry room. Oh
3: (laughs) Yeah, and she like wanted me to bring it back to you. And yeah, uh, do you have like a reward for me? (laughs) What were you doing in my mom's laundry room? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> with your bike dude that's that's messed up that's that weird. sounds like a tim
3: robinson sketch <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a some next door drama someone had gotten their rollerblades stolen off their porch oh. and then someone found them after they bought rollerblades from someone on the street for 30 dollars <laughs> Like the guy was like hey can you just give them back to me and he was like yeah sure just like reimburse me for the 30 bucks i paid this guy oh
1: my god it's 30 dollars
3: I know. And it's just, yeah, it was painfully obvious. This guy had taken them and is just, you know, pretending to be the guy who found them. But all this work for 30 bucks.
2: It's the hottest
1: new crime wave in Los Angeles. Blade napped. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, speaking of blade napped, let's get into the, our stories this, this week.
3: Give me back my K2s, you monster.
1: (laughs) All right, let's start this episode as we start every morning by heading to Flavortown. You probably know Guy Fieri as the host of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, or perhaps the owner of the worst-reviewed restaurant. What? Uh, Owner of one of the worst-reviewed restaurants in history, which I'm so surprised by, Guy's American Kitchen Bar, where the New York Times said, quote, the toasted marshmallow tastes like fish. I would have expected more from a guy here. I'm sorry. I respect that, man. But you might not know that the original flavored gangster also has an extensive car collection that includes a 68 Firebird and a 67 Camaro and is worth an estimated eight and a half million dollars. Whoa. This man slings a lot of donkey sauce. All right, <laughs> And they're yeah. all yellow, too, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I believe so.
3: That's so funny.
1: The crown jewel of Fieri's collection used to be a bright yellow 2008 Lamborghini Gallardo, oh, Gallardo, excuse me, James, worth 200,000 bucks. But in 2011, while Fieri was filming in Chicago, his Lambo was stolen in spectacular fashion. A thief rappelled off of the roof of a San Francisco dealership where the car was undergoing repairs, snuck into the storage lot, cracked the car's window, disabled the alarm, and drove it off the lot. Despite the security footage of the entire theft, the police couldn't find the culprit for over a year. In between, Guy's Lambo was caught on traffic cameras driving over the Golden Gate Bridge. (laughs) Several of Fury's friends reported seeing it out and about elsewhere in the Bay Area. Here at Donut, we encourage people to drive their cars, even if they're worth a lot of money. But this wasn't this guy's car, so I kind of feel a little torn.
2: It wasn't this guy's car, it was that guy's car. Ah! Uh-huh. Uh, dude, I respect the hell out of this. I think <laughs> this cool. <laughs> is like yeah, he steals it and then he's just like, I got a Lambo now. He's just, like, driving it. They didn't like part it out or scrap it or Yeah.
3: Not just any Lambo, the most conspicuous Lambo yeah. ever made.
2: Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, not by a long shot, but No. <laughs> uh Yeah, I just like I'm just like <laughs> I love that yeah, he didn't Scrap it. He was just like, I have, I wanted Lambo. I got Lambo. Now I drive Lambo.
1: He manifested it by rappelling off of a building.
2: Yeah. And then like drives it around like the same city. (laughs) (laughs) Hey man, I saw your stolen Lambo the other day. I tried to like catch the guy, but you know, V10.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, in May of 2012, the police finally arrested the thief. They caught him for attempted murder. In the immortal words of the beach blonde god himself, holy moly stromboli. That's a big charge. Uh, the thief turned out to be 16-year-old San Rafael native Max Wade. About a year after the Lamborghini had gone missing, Wade fired a gun multiple times into a truck carrying his ex-girlfriend and her new boyfriend, Oh god. and then he sped off on his motorcycle. The couple luckily escaped unharmed, and cops traced Wade back to a storage unit where they eventually arrested him, Sitting in the storage unit next to Wade's getaway bike, they discovered Guy Fieri's Lamborghini.
3: This is the, a pretty cool. Even though he fired a gun at his ex, like, he
1: did try to kill someone, and he's like sixteen. So, like you know, it was over some. It was over some dumb. Sh-
3: Sixteen-year-old. When I was sixteen, I was identifying do rags. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, Max, <laughs> the 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 the. The attempted murderer Max Wade was sentenced to life in prison for double premeditated attempted murder, plus a separate 16-month sentence for stealing uh, Guy <laughs> Fieri's Flavormobile. I uh, Fieri,
2: what year was this? Uh, this
1: was in 2012. Fieri testified at Wade's trial, but never managed to get the car back. At the oh, no. uh, once the trial ended, it was reportedly confiscated by Fieri's insurance company. And at the end of the day Max Wade probably put more miles on the Lamborghini than its rightful owner. I don't know how I feel about yeah
2: I mean, just kinda, kinda, yeah
1: he did try to kill two people but he I mean he didn't succeed though like but it's
2: like did he try you know did he really want to did he just you know like he's 16 obviously he's got some issues out here stealing cars and not getting rid of them, just driving him around. Okay. I feel like this is definitely like, uh, this guy could be reformed situation.
1: I think so. I think there's time. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking at a, this is from the mercury news up in the yeah. Bay area. I just, I had to look into this. Um, uh, he was sentenced to 21 years to life to life in prison. Oh, okay. So he is eligible for parole in 2025.
3: And his uh, sentence so- got cut too.
2: Okay. Well, that okay. Okay. All right.
1: Okay. Okay. okay.
3: Okay. They just wanted to scare the poop out of him.
1: I hope it worked. I hope it worked.
3: Yeah. Get your head on straight, Max Wade. <laughs> Max Wade sounds like a sounds like a Punisher type character.
2: Max Wade. Max Wade. The next
3: insanely real car
2: heist is called the Sad Man's Revenge. Why is he sad? <laughs> well, I don't. I think you're about to find out. <gasps> Do you hate your job? Probably not as much as Philip Noel Johnson did. Phil was an armored car driver at Loomis Fargo Bank for 10 years, which meant hauling millions of dollars around Florida and Georgia, all while making
3: a measly seven bucks an hour.
1: First mistake. Pay the people who protect your money. Just <laughs> yeah. a little yeah. bit more.
3: Also pay the people who make your food. Pay
2: Just everyone should get paid.
3: Yeah. And some people hey. should get paid less.
2: But most people should get paid more. Philip was, by all accounts, an unhappy guy who complained constantly. I know the type. Acquaintances said he was bitter about a lifetime of lost opportunities and especially obsessed over his crooked spine, which he blamed for keeping him out of the police or military service.
1: Probably had scoliosis.
2: But maybe it was all a cover. Maybe Philip was a master criminal the whole time. Because on March 29, 1997, he planned and executed. The largest cash heist of all time. Nice. Okay. That ever. <laughs> that means to date. Is that <laughs> does that mean like to the present time? Up until that point, Joe. Up until that point, my man. After finishing a shift, Johnson drove his armored car to the Loomis Fargo garage in Jacksonville, Florida. Side note, of course this happened in Jacksonville, Florida.
1: Birthplace of Limb Biscuit.
2: Uh, He pulled a gun on two fellow guards, handcuffed them, and stuffed $18.8 million from the vault into his van. Before leaving, he collected surveillance tapes, paperwork from the day's pickups, and his own personal file, then sabotaged the vault so it wouldn't open the next day. Police and the FBI eventually discovered that Johnson had been planning the robbery for five years, a full half of the time he was complaining about his terrible job. They also couldn't find him. Loomis Fargo quickly posted a $500,000 reward. Then the Washington Post published a picture with the story headline, Have you seen this man? He's 33, single, lonely, grouchy, grumpled, and very possibly the richest thief who ever lived. Imagine completing an incredible heist, then getting pwned hard by the Washington Post.
3: Thanks, Soros.
2: I also think it's like, just like, hey, we'll give you half a million dollars if you find our 18.8 million dollars.
3: Yeah. Like, I'm glad he stole it. If I find that, I'm going to keep the other part of it. I'm not going to turn that in.
2: Yeah. If I found it, I'd be like, give me a million bucks. I won't tell.
3: Yeah. Look, I'll tell people that you're not rumpled and you got a good back. <laughs> yeah. I'll
2: be like, if so, if anybody asks, I'll be like, yo, he is not even lonely. <laughs> six months later Johnson was finally caught when a customs inspector at the US-Mexico border pulled him off a bus because he gave suspicious answers about the reason for his trip investigators discovered all but 186,000 of his haul hidden in a North Carolina storage shed oh man can you imagine that on like getting bidden on that storage I paid 600 bucks for this storage unit yeah 18.8 million dollars yeah yep yeah. that's
1: what the guy does right
2: Johnson also surrendered $65,000 in 8 Mexican bank accounts and 11 grand in cash that means he only got to spend $110,000 of his $18.8 million he stole before he was convicted and sentenced to 25 years in prison this probably did not help his outlook on life the lesson here, if you steal millions of dollars don't take a freaking bus and spend as much money as you can while you're still out of jail
3: yeah, and don't go to North Carolina. There's much better places you can go and escape to. I'm sure North Carolina's great, but like uh, Tahiti? Buy a plane. Buy a plane and have someone <laughs> fly you. Just don't have Harrison Ford fly you away. Or James May, who also crashed the plane.
1: I think the lesson is just don't, don't fly a plane.
3: I'm never going in a Cessna, and I'm never going in a helicopter.
1: I think those are good policies. Those are good policies.
3: Yeah, I'm, but I am building one of those drones that you stand on top of. <laughs> <laughs> you get one of those. I'll get one of the like the one, the water ones where it shoots yeah. water underneath you. Oh, yeah.
2: That's and I'll it.
1: get a one wheel and I'll just putt around.
3: Uh, yeah. I played baseball on a one wheel and was like fielding <laughs> in the outfield on a one wheel and just like hit a gopher hole and ate <laughs> super hard. Well, you know
2: what, awesome. Joe?
3: Serves you right.
1: We'll get back to more past guests, but right now, a word from our sponsors.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now.
1: This next story is called Ram
2: Raiders.
3: Oh, nice. Good, good segue. What are you, the segue master now? Ram
2: Raiders. (laughs) In the early
1: 1990s, a missing Lotus Carlton made front page news in England because of some thieves who immediately put it to good use. First, a little backstory. In 1990, GM Europe wanted a performance sedan to compete with the BMW M5 and the Mercedes 500E there's this one big problem. They didn't have a performance group to make it. They primarily sold mid-market cars under the Vauxhall and Opel badges. Luckily, GM Global had recently acquired a majority stake in Lotus. So, GM Europe asked Lotus to turn the relatively boring Vauxhall Carlton executive sedan into something with a little bit more giddy-up. So, what did Lotus do? Simple, they strapped on two turbochargers, cranked a horsepower up to infinity, and the resulting Lotus Carlton sedan was, in a word, awesome. It could outgun a Ferrari Testarossa. It went 0-60 in 5.2 seconds and topped out at 177. And it was only sold in one color. The extremely British-sounding Imperial Green. This thing is freaking sick, dude. Is I it really I,
3: dark green? Because it looks black.
1: I think it's a really dark green.
3: The Lotus version looks like some weird... Like if a... Uh... The Mercedes 190E had a baby with a Supra. I
1: was going to say like a like like the front kind of gives me like Fox body Mustang vibes. Yeah. And then the wheels are like kind of Porsche-ish. It's a really interesting looking car.
2: Dude, this thing would mop up at Radwood.
1: Lotus Carlton's immediately became a top target for car thieves. And on November 26th 1993, one particular vehicle was stolen from outside a home in Hairshoore England, a small town about three hours from London. Over the following months, a gang of thieves used this car in a series of ram raids across central England. What's a ram raid, you boys might ask?
2: I, yeah, might. I was gonna ask that. Yeah, I don't know what that is.
1: Well, I'm gonna tell you. These absolute geniuses would ram their ninety thousand dollar stolen car through the front window of a liquor store. Or newsstand, grab as butt <laughs> grab as much booze and cigarettes as they can fit in the trunk, then outrun the police response in their juicy Lotus-engineered street Mad lads.
3: absolute mad lads. You know, there was
1: one guy who was like, "Oh, I'm gonna. This is a newsstand, right? I'm gonna grab some magazines."
3: Yeah. Oopsies, <laughs> I'm in first. Boom. <laughs> I need to get some mints and a new copy of the Post. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The thieves left the cops, or the Rossers, as they're called over there, thoroughly dusted every turn, including one theft 30 yards from a police department. Whoa! That's because the local police force's uh, Fiat Pandas could only reach 90 miles <laughs> per hour, barely half of that at the turbocharged Lotus. An officer told
2: newspapers, quote, We simply haven't been able to get near the thing, and it looks unlikely that we ever will. <laughs> we might as well just go home, take a little shower. Eat a little tea and go to bed Eat wake up and do it all over in the morning that's an honest life and we don't even carry guns
3: okay all right there's a little bit of a interpretation of that quote
1: anyway whatever it was joe he was right the lotus thieves were never caught and all ultimately got away with around 20,000 british pounds worth of liquor and cigarettes the gang became so notorious the British government considered banning the Lotus Carlton entirely though. By that point, the car was out of production so <laughs> no law ever came to fruition.
3: I bet they took credit for that. Oh like, yeah. Yep, we did
1: that. <laughs> and that means the infamous Ram Raider is still street legal
2: and would make one hell of a barn find. That's, That's hilarious cool. dude. That's I, cool. They just stole cigarettes and booze. Yeah.
3: Like I they think- just left cash in the, in the till.
2: Yeah, I guess. Don't spend it all in one place. I bet these guys were 14.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, they're stealing booze and cigarettes. Like, that's like, all right, we have a car. What what can we steal? Yeah. Can we go to a bank? Quick, quick, (laughs) think. Yeah. Oh, let's get some Marlboro Reds. All
3: right, guys, enough noodling. All right? Yeah. Let's get on with this. Enough
2: noodling, guys. It's time to talk about The Great Ramen Heist. (laughs) <laughs> now we move from ram raids to ramen raids. Ah. at some point between july 25th and august 1st 2018 thieves stole a 2004 Stoughton tractor trailer from a gas station in Fayetteville, georgia where the owner had left it parked for several days this isn't that notable on its own it's the kind of thing that happens to big shipping companies all the time an unremarkable insurance write-off okay Except that this particular trailer was filled with ninety eight thousand dollars worth of ramen noodles
1: okay that's... now now it's turned now there's a twist now I see where the, <laughs> the 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 title of this section came from
3: that's so much ramen how are you gonna unload all those noodles
1: dude that could that could last a a a, a car guy a dedicated car guy who only cares about his car you that's only like
3: eat a, ramen
1: that's a lifetime that's
3: yeah he's He's got, he's the only person in 2021 to have scurvy.
2: <laughs> uh, my friend Trevor Moore is the whitest kids, you know, uh, he in college would, would only eat, he would eat ramen with uh slim Jim's broken up. Oh in God. And he got a freaking <laughs> sore on his leg. And he went to the doctor and he was <laughs> <What>? like, <clears throat> the doctor was like, what? Like y- like you have sodium poisoning. Oh my God. Oh
1: my yeah. goodness. Forever.
2: Yeah, so that tr- that cheap microwave dorm room ramen, $98,000 worth of it. Those wow. things, what are they like 50 cent, 25 cent a pack? Yeah. That's a lot of ramen. Police never identified what ramen brand was heisted, but a ramen pack typically retails for about 30 cents and wholesales for even less. That means these hungry thieves got away with somewhere between 300,000 and 500,000 bricks of ramen. This
1: could last the Gears and Gasoline crew for centuries
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's enough to wrap noodles around the world seven times Whoa. or to stack into a pile taller than Mount Everest in other words a
1: lunch. yeah you're gonna be hungry half an hour later <laughs>
3: <laughs> not if you throw celery and eggs and 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 cilantro in there that's there, good.
1: that was like a I think that's part of growing up is uh Discovering that you're not just supposed to have like the top ramen just really by itself. Like to really get the full experience, you should add a lot of
3: accoutrement to it. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Did they know it was a ramen truck? Like were they hoping to steal iPads but discovered quote unquote food instead? Or was this their Ocean's Eleven style dream job? Did they plan to steal a jillion noodles then retire to a beach somewhere? And how do you launder stolen noodles? Is there a thriving ramen black market where you can buy it for twenty-five cents instead of thirty cents? <laughs> Alas, these questions will forever go unanswered. The crime was never solved, and the ramen raiders, just like the ram raiders, are still at large.
1: I, I remember reading a news story within the last two years. Someone had like stolen like a, a, a semi full of like meat, and they were like yeah. selling the meat out of like a parking lot out in like. <laughs> commerce or something like that (laughs) so i think you could if you did steal a whole semi full of noodles like it would take you forever to get like any money out of it i think but you could do it you know black market noodles
3: you you give some someone would buy a crate of it for oh yeah 20 bucks or something
1: yeah like you're coming out of best buy with like a usb cable or whatever and some guy approaches you like hey man you want like some top ramen i'm like how much top ramen
2: I just want to plug in my phone.
1: <laughs> but if someone was like, hey, I'll give you a box. Like, I'm selling boxes of Top Ramen for, like, a dollar. I'd probably be on that.
2: Yeah, I think, like, if I were younger, I would. Now I'd be like, no, man, I don't get out of here, dude. And then the
1: cops yeah. pull you over. It's a sting <laughs> operation. You're you're yeah. booked for stolen, possessing stolen
3: goods. That ramen is hot. <laughs> this is hot ramen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I ain't talking sriracha, baby. Speaking of which, it's time for the San Diego tank spree, which is one of my favorite historical events ever.
3: Yeah. I think they're making a movie out of this. They
1: better f- f- not. I want to. I want to cast James as as or Sean, the guy who stole the, the
2: tank. I'm so mad at society. I'm
1: going to get a tank. Our Our next thief definitely knew what he was getting into. And that made him a huge problem when he took his bounty onto the streets of San Diego. On May 17th of 1995, an Army veteran turned out of work plumber named Sean Nelson drove uh, to the California Army National Guard Armory. The past few years of Nelson's life had been pretty awful, to say the least. He had lost his parents to cancer, his wife had left him, he suffered serious injuries in a motorcycle accident, the bank foreclosed on his house, and his living girlfriend died from a drug overdose. Amid these troubles, he had sunken into alcoholism and a meth addiction, which culminated into digging a 17 foot deep hole in his backyard to quote mine for gold. So clearly Nelson was not in his right mind when he arrived at the armory where he found the gate to the vehicle yard had been left standing wide open by some late shift servicemen. He took this opportunity to trade up his Chevy Astrovan to a 57 ton patent tank that he just so happened to know how to operate from his stint in the army.
3: I mean, a Chevy Astrovan is basically a tank.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the $1.3 million tank was 22 feet long and covered in 11 inch thick armor. It had a 750 horsepower Continental V12 twin turbocharged diesel engine and could get up to 30 miles per hour and started with a push button. No ignition key was required. Lucky for San Diegans, the ammunition for the tank's 105 millimeter cannon, 13 millimeter anti-aircraft gun, and eight millimeter mounted machine gun was all kept in a separate location. So effectively Nelson didn't have any weaponry, but a tank is still a tank. And this one did some serious damage. By the time a guard finally noticed him and sounded an alarm, Nelson was already out into the streets of San Diego's Claremont neighborhood. He led military police, the sheriff's department, and the highway patrol on a 23-minute televised slow-motion chase. The cops could easily keep up with the tank, but they had absolutely no way of stopping it. Nelson left behind a trail of 40 crushed cars, several geysering fire hydrants, and even a flattened RV. After trying and failing to knock down a concrete pedestrian bridge over Interstate 805, Nelson attempted to cross the other side of the freeway, but it got stuck on those concrete jersey barriers four police officers quickly climbed onto the immobilized tank and opened the hatch with bolt cutters but nelson refused to surrender when he began rocking the tank back and forth to break free of the barrier one of the officers leaned into the tank and fatally shot him i believe he was shot like directly in the top part of his heart it like killed him instantly Reporters and armchair psychologists were quick to attribute Nelson's rampage to the emasculation of the American male and the demise of the middle class. But Nelson's ex-wife disagreed, telling the San Diego Union-Tribune, quote,
2: He just abused drugs. That's it.
1: Well, it's actually, I mean, I love this story. And I have I know a little bit more about it. The whole gold mining operation in his backyard was somewhat of the key to this oh, really? whole tragedy. Yes. Uh, he went to the city. Uh, a few weeks before this happened and he wanted a permit to mine in his backyard and the city officials were like it's your backyard you don't need any paperwork for that (laughs) and he's like no give me the permit give me the paperwork and they're like dude you don't need it you're good to go uh so he was really mad about the city not giving him the permit for his gold in his backyard which by the way was just jewelry that he had hired uh a younger like addicts at his house to steal around his neighborhood, he would take the jewelry uh and put it into his mine in the the hole in the backyard and then would pay people to bring it out what of the mine look meth uh was a was a factor in this whole story um
3: yeah, well, it sounds like uh y- you know clearly he was emasculated, and this is like uh the middle class deteriorating so. Just
1: just an insane story. Uh, the Dollop has an episode on this whole story. It's like 90 minutes long. It's so good. It's like one of my favorite episodes of that show. Go check it out if you want more on that.
3: So they just like read the whole Wikipedia page on it?
1: No. You guys have such a beef against the Dollop for some reason. I don't know why. Before it's- you
2: go listen to the Dollop, go ahead and follow uh, Pass Gas on whatever uh, stream platform you listen to. this. It just makes it easier to listen to.
1: That's right, James. Good, good plug. Um, I would love for James to be in this movie.
2: I don't, you know what, man? I'm not a very good actor. I don't care. Your movie is going to suffer because of nepotism.
3: Would you get method with it? Would you get method? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I mean, I'd do a ton of math. Yeah, sure. I'd do a ton of in this movie. I mean, what's another heart attack? We'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors. This is the heartwarming tale of Curly (laughs) Bunfill. Okay. (laughs) If that last story bummed you out, here's a car heist with a happy ending. Curly Bunfill was a 106-year-old World War II veteran and three-time Purple Heart recipient whose award-winning 1956 Cadillac El Dorado was stolen from his Sacramento garage in early 2020. The car originally belonged to actress Rita Hayworth, one of Hollywood's biggest stars in the 30s and 40s. Huh. After returning from the war, Bunfill had worked as a Hollywood stuntman. He recalled befriending Hayworth at a party saying, Our eyes met, and we danced, and she had all these cars in her garage. Beautiful, beautiful cars We danced around the cars Uh, (laughs) He was either a a great dancer Or dancing around the cars Is some kind of uh, weird 50s sex thing Uh, Because when Hayworth died in 1987 She left him a Bermuda blue Cadillac engraved with her name On the doors, trunk, and engine compartment That's uh... That's, uh, That's hard the theft of the Eldorado quickly made local news, and a reward of $7,000 was offered for information. Then, miraculously, the Eldorado was returned to a Sacramento police station without a scratch on it. The man who returned the car told police he had purchased it for $8,600 and didn't know it was stolen until he saw it on TV. His tip eventually led to the arrest of the actual thief. Curly said that when he found out the car had been recovered, I jumped 10 feet in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Which unfortunately killed him. JK, as far as we know, the 106 year old is still alive and well, presumably still dancing
3: around his Eldorado. Hmm. I hope I can dance when I'm 106. I feel like that's
1: all. I don't know. I don't know how long I'd like to live. 100 years seems like a long time.
3: I think you're, Nolan, you're someone who's going to thrive when they're in their like late 40s, 50s. Oh, I'm looking so forward I think,
1: to being like a dad and grandpa. I think that'll be fun.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: you have been looking forward to being a grandpa since you were eight. It's ago. true.
1: It's true. I think that's, just, you know, I, I had a, a, you know, my grandpa Tom was a really cool guy. And uh, uh,
2: like, what do you want your uh, kids and your grandkids to call you?
1: Uh, You know, Grandpa Nolan's probably, that's like a mouthful though. Now that I say that out loud.
3: Yeah, it's long. What about Papa Nolan?
1: Papa Nolan, that's pretty good. I like that. My my dad would refer to his grandfather as Grandpa or yeah, Grandpa Sykes. And I, I like that. Yeah. You know? Grandpa That's Sykes.
2: That sounds like you uh, sounds like you're uh, part of a Burger King campaign. You got <laughs> sunglasses, a backwards hat, and a skateboard. That's Grandpa Sykes. <laughs> grandpa Sykes. What's up, you whippersnappers? snappers yeah. out of my way to the half pipe?
3: This burger is dead ass delicious. <laughs>
2: no <laughs> cap.
3: This burger
2: is bussin'.
3: And then he does, like, a rodeo flip.
2: (laughs) These fries are bussin' fast. No printer.
1: That sounds like a... (laughs) Like that, like plays like once during the Western Conference Finals and people are like, what the (laughs) hell was that? Try
2: Try the new cheesecake bites. They're
3: gas.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
1: sure. Stealing a Lambo or an 18-wheeler or a tank or a war hero's most prized possession is tricky. But how about stealing 30 cars at once from a recently deceased movie star? That's what Richard Taylor did. He was the mechanic for Paul Walker's extensive personal car collection. While Walker was best known for driving souped up tuner cars in the Fast and Furious franchise, his personal tastes were a bit more eclectic. Among the cars that Taylor oversaw were a 2006 Crown Victoria and a 2004 GMC truck, in addition to five rare 1995 BMW M3s and a 2011 Porsche GT3 RS. Well, less than 24 hours. After Walker's death at a charity car show, Taylor moved 30 of those cars out of a storage warehouse, then demanded money from Walker's family in exchange for the location of the boosted vehicles. What a piece of (laughs) shit. In legal quarters, they call this extortion. Here on Pass Gas, we also call it extortion. (laughs) This guy.
2: Yeah. This guy's a real piece of shit.
1: Yeah. In revenge for a theft like this. Brian O'Connor and Dom Toretto would probably have dangled Taylor from the back of a speeding dump truck or something. What the Walker family actually did was take Taylor to court. In 2016, a settlement was reached. Although Taylor reportedly had sold several of the vehicles, a lawyer for the Walker family announced that the case, quote, was settled amicably, and one of the conditions is that we're getting things back. I'm not really sure how you can amicably settle such a dirtbag move, but I guess it helps
3: when
2: your family. That's like, yeah. f- Stop, dude. That's so, f-
3: yeah. Why, like, why would you even negotiate with terrorists? Like, that's like, why... not, yeah.
2: How is that? I don't even know, man. Yeah, that's a really dirtbag move. Like, they were like friends, and then the dude dies, and then he steals all this stuff the next day.
3: Yeah, like, why, like, you don't even mourn at all. You're just like, okay, now, now's the time to
2: do yeah. this. How does he not go to jail?
3: No idea. The FBI should take him in, right?
2: Yeah, but
3: maybe they're too many.
2: <laughs> This next one's called LOL FBI. Most car thefts are unremarkable. They usually involve someone down on their luck, desperate or not in their right minds. So let's finish by making fun of someone who always deserves it, the feds. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh, in 2008, the FBI recovered a stolen 1996 Ferrari F50, which was one of only 349 ever made and worth 750 grand. The car had been lifted from a Pennsylvania dealership five years earlier by a serial bandit named Tom Baker. Baker was an airline pilot who realized he'd never be able to afford all the Ferraris he coveted on his salary, so he stole a bunch of Ferraris. <laughs> this guy okay. sounds cool as shit. <laughs> Uh, maybe not. first, <laughs> first like the next sentence is like, he yeah, was a pedophile. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> first, he convinced a cancer-stricken car salesman in North Carolina that he was a radiologist. God. That made the salesman trust him enough to let him take a 1989 Ferrari 328 GTS for a test drive. Neither Baker nor the car ever returned to the dealership. He later pulled a similar trick to jack an 85 Testarossa from a Long Island dealer. Hmm. Those were just warm-ups for Baker's greatest theft. Sometime in 2003, Baker appeared at Algar Ferrari in Philadelphia, posing as the CEO of a California tech firm. He claimed he flew into town specifically to buy the dealership's F-50, and that he was ready to make a down payment after the mere formality of a test drive. I just, you know, I just gotta drive, I to just, just drive it. It must have been a convincing story because the dealership handed over the keys. Baker zoomed away at 100 miles per hour over a nearby hill and disappeared. <laughs> the next time anyone saw the car was in 2008. Wow. When FBI agents seized it from a Kentucky emergency room doctor to whom Baker had sold it. Baker was arrested soon after. So, why is this a funny story about cops? During Baker's trial, two FBI agents totaled the oh, car.
1: God. Okay.
2: Special Agent Fred Kingston and U.S. Assistant Attorney J. Hamilton Thompson claimed they were transferring the car between storage facilities when bald tires caused them to fishtail off the road and straight into a tree.
1: It's always those bald tires, guys. Bald check tires. your treads. Check your air pressures. Put check. your
3: penny in the treads. If it goes up to Lincoln's beard, you're, you are yeah. you got to switch them. Is that how it works?
1: Yeah. Um. <laughs> There's always that feeling you get when you're about to do something sketchy in a car. And you're like, should I do this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, trust that feeling. Maybe uh, you know. Maybe you won't f- total a Ferrari when you're transferring it between storage yeah. facilities.
2: They're totally transferring it and not just taking a super rare supercar on a joyride. I bet storage transfers always need two senior agents present. And yeah. who hasn't <laughs> destroyed $750,000 worth of evidence on the clock? I know I have.
1: Oh, you have? Okay. We'll talk about that off air.
2: Luckily for these agents, the Ferrari itself wasn't needed to convict Baker, but the accident started a whole new array of legal shenanigans. See, back when the car was originally stolen, the Motor Insurance Corporation paid Algar Ferrari $630,000 for the lost merchandise. That transaction gave the insurance company the title to the F50, and they were pretty unhappy when their reappearing Ferrari was immediately totaled by a couple of (laughs) dillweeds. The insurance company sued the government for repayment, but a judge ruled that the government was not liable for damages during the detention of any goods, not accepting responsibility for anything, nothing new. Apparently, that's true even if that detention includes two government agents pretending to be Lightning McQueen. In the end, the sad mangled remains of the rare F-50 were auctioned off or a paltry 65K. What?
1: And that's how we got the engine for the GT86. Um, <laughs> or GT4586. Just kidding. Uh, yeah, that's pretty whack. That's pretty stupid. Yeah. Each thief we've been talking about had different reasons for their heist. Because any number of things might inspire someone to steal a car. A meth addiction, Ferrari addiction, even a ramen noodle addiction. Unfortunately, though... The story usually ends badly for them and the car. It really sucks how many cars get stolen and chopped up for parts or are simply wrecked in the process. It's a crappy thing to worry about and a sad way for a good vehicle to meet its end. But since it does happen, remember to lock up your babies tighter than the secret recipe for donkey sauce. And if there are any carjackers listening right now, please stay away from them. my cars. <laughs> uh,
2: uh, none of our cars can get stolen because none of them run. That's fair. That's <laughs> a
1: fair point. Good stuff. Uh, yeah. Don't do crimes. Don't steal cars. That's bad. That's the conclusion. Yeah, it's for your, today's
3: episode. like that's like stealing a house. Yeah,
1: a house that can move.
3: Yeah, for a lot of people, that's the biggest investment they've ever made. And oh, for sure. You know, it might be like a '97 Civic, and uh, that's their that also their livelihood.
1: That happened when we were shooting uh, a wheelhouse a couple years ago. 10 best cars under $10,000. Uh, one of that. the cars was an e- EG Civic Hatch. And two hours after they left the shoot, uh, the car was stolen. And then we like, put, out, like, put out a bunch of uh, posts about it. And the car was returned, I think, within 12 hours.
3: Whoa. Um, no yeah. questions asked or what? I don't remember. Um, no, we shot the guy.
1: Yeah, we went out and did some vigilante street street justice.
3: justice. Yeah.
1: Steal hearts, don't steal cars.
3: It, Nolan, you're 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 writing this San Diego tank movie. Yeah. Uh, James is the lead. Yes, yeah, so even though he says are, he can act. Who's the night night security person that you know is is a blunder blunder I think boy?
1: That's my role. Since you're asking no,
3: you're too smart for that. Yeah, but he's I, a great actor, so he can pretend to be dumb. Okay, okay.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't need to pretend.
3: Well, who's the wife? That or who's the girlfriend? Hmm. The ex-wife, uh, Lizzie Kaplan. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Who are who are like the four cops that go up to the tape? Uh,
2: Seth Rogen. I was just gonna say <laughs> Seth Rogen, <laughs> but like in a more serious role. Has he laughing? No. This is like Seth Rogen in his like transition drama role. Yeah. Like this yeah. is this is his uh, this is his.
1: Like, his Rare, uh, 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 uncut gems. Moment yeah, yeah.
3: Here, Jeremy Renner is the one who pulls the trigger. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. He kills me. I'm gonna and I'm gonna lose like seventy five pounds to play this. Game. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I'm gonna. We'll also put makeup on you so you look even more gone. Yeah. Um,
1: and then like, uh, we gotta like hire some younger actors to play like the the meth heads that go and steal the jewelry around the <laughs> yeah, like Timothy
2: Chalamet. Uh, yeah. Oh, perfect. Sp- Spider-Man. Yeah. And... Uh... Wait, those are
3: handsome meth heads. Me <laughs> yeah. Like... yeah. They're yeah. really good looking. <laughs> it's San Diego.
2: Yeah, it's San Diego, dude. And then one of the cops is also Danny Franco. Who's Danny Franco? Dave Oh, Davey Franco.
1: Dave Franco. Yeah, Dave oh, yeah. Franco. I want a stunt cast Taylor Lautner in there for some reason. I don't mm-hmm. know where we have... Maybe he's the security guard at the gate.
2: Yeah.
3: I think yeah. that maybe...
1: We're think, spending so much money on this cast. I think that <laughs> yeah, maybe I
3: think we maybe we switch out Timothy Chalamet for like Clark Duke or something. <laughs> Clark Duke. Oh, ac- you know
1: what? Maybe we cast the members of Brockhampton.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> they break it up. Cool. Anyway,
1: we've cast the movie. Thank you for so much for listening to this episode. Uh sorry about the audio quality. Stuff happens, man. That's how how it goes. Follow the show if you haven't yet. Follow, follow, follow us on your preferred podcast platform of choice, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever, what have you. Follow us. That really helps us out. And guess what? It's free. It'll always be free.
2: Our voices will always
3: be free. We were born free. We will live free. We will live forever. forever.
1: Thank you so much for listening to Past Gas. (laughs) Follow all the boys at their social medias. Follow James at James Pumphrey. Follow Joe at Joe G. Weber. Check out his Twitch stream, by the way. Uh, Follow me at Nolan J. Sykes. I'll I'll see you out there. (laughs) See you
2: outside.
3: See you outside, everyone.